Hello, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, the lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. We are located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information about our church at www.sccview.net. Again, that website is www.sccview.net. I want to say it again. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. We're continuing our series. We started a couple weeks ago, and I will. And, and uh, matter of fact, if this is your first time here, we want to say welcome to you. And uh, we've been talking about uh, our uh, I will and our initiative, what God's doing with our building. We're about to expand, and so it's a very, very exciting. We'll be talking more about that today. But I have this chair here, and uh, this is actually, we say it's a seat that every seat tells a story. And we said this, it's my story, it's our story, and it's their story. Okay, can you do that with me with your hand motions? Ready? Come on, ready? It's my story, it's our story, it's their story. Come on, one more time. Let's do it out loud now, like you're awake. Here we go. You ready? It's my story, it's our story, it's their story. So it's, it's, we're, every seat tells a story here at SEC. We understand that. And here's the great news. Your story is being written, but it's not the final chapter. Did you hear that? Your story is being written, but it's not the final chapter. And so God wants to help us as, as a part of this church to mold your story to be what he wants it to be. And that it's going to be better, uh, by the way. So I just want to go ahead and as we get ready to kick this off, we're talking about willing to go in faith. And I want to give you the how-tos of that this morning and as I share this with you, I just want to tell you that, look at me just a second, I struggle with faith. I struggle with faith. Not, not does God exist, not that, you know, not is God living in my heart, not if I die, am I going to go to heaven. No, not that kind of faith. I don't struggle with that at all. But what I struggle with is, is the times that God asked me to take a step and to do something that I don't know how that I'm going to be able to do it. See what I'm talking about? Or when I'm praying for something to happen that I can't figure out how to happen because I'm a type A kind of guy. You know, I mean, like, I'm a type A control freak kind of guy. Like, if you don't believe that, you should go bowling with me. You know, when I go bowling and I throw the ball and, you know, you think you release the ball, right? You release it and it's rolling and it's out of your control after that, right? Not me. Hey, go, go, turn, 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 you know. I'm that guy. I mean, I'm yelling at the ball like I have control over it after it leaves my hand. Also, I'm the guy like, you know, watching football with me is not fun because I'll hurt you. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm like this, but like I was watching the game, the Super Bowl with a, a group of people from our church here, and I almost hurt a kid. I mean, like my player was running the ball, and I'm just like, oh, I just found myself leaping, you know, and I almost uh, hit a kid. And they're like, Pastor Jeff, it's okay, you know, it's okay. You're not affecting the game. And Rhonda can't say, and she's like, she won't watch football with me because I'm just like that all the time. 
even uh, even those fight them, beat them up kind of movies, you know, like I'm over there. Rocky, I cannot do Rocky because I'll, you know, I don't know. It's just the way that I'm geared up. So I just want to tell you, I struggle with that. So what I'm about to share with you is what God has used in my life to help me move beyond, let go and let God, and take those steps of faith like we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> and so I'd like to take your attention to a story in the Bible. It's actually an account that happened. When I say story, sometimes I think you, you know, it sounds like it's fairy tale, but this is actually what happened. Is that in 2 Kings uh, chapter 7, we, we come on this account to where uh, Israel, the, the Jewish people, are actually in Samaria and they've been surrounded. So there's like a city with walls around it. They're inside of those walls and they've been surrounded by the enemy. Uh, their enemy has, the Syrians has actually. Uh, surrounded them and cut off all the supplies that are coming in and out of the city. That means that no food can come in, uh, nothing outside the city can come in. So basically, they're starving them to death. And the Bible says that this famine, that this, uh, by them doing that, that, that people were so hungry that they were actually paying money for animal poop. Okay, I don't know any other better way to put it. It said dung in the Bible. I say poop, all right? So they were paying for that. I mean, like, to get the seeds out of it to try to wash and eat. I mean, it's horrible, right? It's bad. But also, cannibalism had started in that as well, to where they were eating other humans. I mean, they were starving to death. And so the man of God, the prophet of God, his name is Elisha, who's inside the city. He sees all this going on, and the king sees what's going on. And so they begin to say, you know, will God help us? And so I'd like to give you the first point that I want you to remember today on how to take a, how to be willing, uh, uh, how to be willing to uh, go in faith. Here we go. Number one is this: you must believe God can. Would you write that word down? Can C A N. No matter what the circumstance, and that's the first step to be willing to take a step of faith. To go in faith is believe that God can do what you're asking to do. So let's pick up the story. Here we go. Second Kings seven and one. It says Elisha said, "Hear the word of the Lord." This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of flour will sell for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens. Now notice this next three words right here. I want you to circle them. You got your pen ready? Here we go. Could this happen? That's the question. Could this happen? And then this is what the man of God said. He said, you will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of its fruit, or you will not eat any of it. Now what I want to share with you now is this, is that, so Elisha has said, by this time tomorrow, you know, like, I mean, they, any food in that city was like thousands of dollars in today's term, because there was starvation, there was no supply and demand. Elisha was saying, by this time tomorrow, that the, the city's going to be so flooded with food that it's going to be super, super cheap. I mean, like you're going to be able to buy it for pennies. And so the, the soldier that accompanied the king said, I don't believe this. I don't believe it can happen. And so I want to tell you, so he, Elisha said to him, because you don't believe it can happen, you're not going to eat any of the fruit. You're not going to do it. You're not going to have anything to eat. And so I just want to tell you that the first step when you're being willing to go in faith is that you have to believe that God can. 
You have to believe that God can. Now, let me just say this to you. Whenever you are, whenever you are striving to go in faith, there's always going to be those voices of doubt to tell you that, you that God cannot do what you need Him to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That voice sometimes is going to come from other people, but a lot of times it's going to come from within you. You're going to begin to, you know, as you start praying and say, God, I need you to do this miracle. And after you, right after you pray that, you say, okay, I just prayed the prayer. Then immediately you're going to start doubting. Say, no, I don't, I don't think this can happen. So those voices of doubt are going to come your way, as we just saw. But I love this next passage because God put this in the Bible just for Jeff Dawes, all right? So it's probably not there for you, it's there for me, all right? Look what it says. Romans 14, Romans 4, 17 says this. God is the one who gives life to the what? To the dead. And cause things that are not as though they what? Were. So did you hear that? God is the one that gives life to dead things and cause things that are not. In other words, there's no way this could be and God does something and then it's like it's always been there. Did you see that? In other words, it's like it did not exist, but all of a sudden God caused it to happen. It looks like it's always been there. You see, God is a specialist at this. You know, in the beginning, if you read your Bible in Genesis 1 and 1, you begin to see that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? He created the heavens and the earth. And so what that means is that God began this whole thing that way. God looked into nothing. There was nothing but this space out there. And God says, I want the sun to sit right there. I want the earth to sit right here. I want the stars to sit right there. I want the land to be right here. It was God who looked into nothing, into a vast void, and God began to speak and created something out of nothing. And God spoke that, and it was something that was not in existence, and it came into existence because of Almighty God. Amen? So you have to believe that God can. And here's the good news about that. You see that many people have written you off. Many people have written some of you off. You know why? Because look at, when they looked at your life, they saw nothing but dead. They saw that, you know, that maybe you had a drug issue, and it, because of that, you were dead. Maybe you had a, a relational issue that your marriage, and maybe they said it was dead. Maybe you had a financial issue, and they said, there's no way you can overcome that. You're dead. Maybe you, you had a sin issue that, that only you knew about, and a few others knew about, and people wrote you off as dead. Maybe you've even wrote your, written yourself off as dead. But what I want to tell you is that you're here today. And that means that you're not dead because the God who created the heavens and the earth is at work with inside of you and He's calling out that thing that is dead in you to come alive and make you alive and make you the person that you want to be, that you can have the opportunity for a better life that only comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? amen. Now somebody better say amen or I'm going to get out of here. Amen, right? I'm preaching better than you're amening. You see what I'm doing? We were dead, 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 dead. God comes in. You know, almost 21 years ago, Rhonda and I, my little three-year-old son, pulled up to a church building in Forest Park, Georgia. It was there in 1995 on that 1.1 acres of property that God began to do something. I pulled up to that little church, and, and some of you know this, some of you have been there, 
had bars on the front of the doors, and you know, it, and it was a, a place to where people did not want to be. That's the only reason that a 26-year-old got to be a pastor, because nobody else wanted to. <laughs> you know, I like to say, boy, I was so great, these people really wanted me. No, I was their only option. You know, you're being like that, you know, playing sports or whatever, and they go around and they pick the teams out, and you know, you're the last one standing there, so they, they got to take you. You know, that's it. That's the way it was. You know, here I am. But you know what, what began to happen? Is that there, this 26-year-old kid with his wife and his son, and here we are among people, the average age is 65. Now, those of you, can you imagine, I can't imagine, I'm 47, I can't imagine a 26-year-old kid telling me what to do. I just can't imagine that at all. You know, saying, now we're going to do this as the church now. I'm your leader. I'm your pastor. You know, here I am. I had all my hair back then. I had my fro. You think I'm lying. I know you think I'm lying. I, I had a fro. Proud of it. If I could grow hair right now, I'd have a big fro. Ball-headed people who appreciate hair. But I want you to know something that uh, when we pulled up there, we started, we said, God, this is where you want us to be. All of the people around me said, Jeff, that church is dead. That church is dead. There's no life in that church. It's dead. Now, Jeff, what you need to do is you need to go there and you need to be a good pastor. Now, you stay there for about two or three years and then after you do that, then you can get a bigger church. You just stay there and be faithful for two or three, three years and you get a bigger church. And then, because that, that church can't grow, so you just, you know, just wipe it off. But I'm going to tell you something. I serve a God who can. And I want you to know that when Rhonda and I come, we didn't come there to leave. We didn't come there to say, we're going to do our little two or three years here, and then we're going to move to the good two or three years, and maybe we can jockey up to a bigger church. No, we said, God, if this is where you want us, this is where we want to be. And we begin to, we begin to, to seek God, and we had a mission. Our mission was that, that everyone would receive an opportunity for a better life through Christ. And we began to, to reach out. And guess what? Those senior adults that I was like their great-grandson, they began to get in line. We got in line together. We started working together. And our church began to grow. And what was dead, what everybody said was dead and would die, would never make it. God began to let it come alive and begin to grow. And our church, listen, we grew so much that we had to find another location. So we moved four years later, or two years later, we moved to Rex, Georgia. We moved off Stagecoach Road and we, we moved into that building. And our church here, there was about 130 people at that time. I mean, man, we was having a move of God. And then we grew there and we went to this building on, on Stagecoach Road, which is out in a nowhere land. You know, I mean, it's like nowhere. You got to, you know, when you've been there, you've been nowhere. Okay, never mind. All right. But, but anyways, it was there. And, and you know, really in a secluded area. And they said, Jeff, that's dead. You can't, the church can't grow there. That's dead. You need to just go ahead and do your time. You've been there four years now. We can get you a promotion. You need to go somewhere else. But no, God would not let me do that. I believed in you. I can't love people and leave people. I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't do that. I'm just not that kind of guy. And so Rhonda and I, you know, we begin, we just loved more people and, and, and our church began to mesh together in unity and we continue to grow. And we, so we grew and then we had to find another place. So we bought this property in 2000. We left there and moved into a school and I thought I went to hell. I'm not even kidding about that. I'm like, man, this was... 
you know, it was so horrible. I mean, like, the custodian may not even show up. You know, I mean, like, there was times we were in there, we couldn't even get in the door to have church because the, the person that was supposed to open up wouldn't open up. I mean, it was horrible. But God was faithful. And see, what He was doing was building character within us because, see, God cannot grow you. He can't bless you beyond your character. You hear that? And so God was building our character. He was making us stronger. And then eventually we moved here in 2003. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that every time that people wrote us off and said, that's dead, that's dead, you need to leave, that's dead. I said, oh no, the God that called me to this area over 21 years ago is still calling me. I still believe there's a call and there's a work to do. And I believe in you. And I believe that our mission is great ahead of us. And our best days are ahead. They're not behind God is going to do a revival, bring a revival through us. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. So let's go to number two. All right. Number two is this. How to be willing to go in faith. Number two, I must not expect. Now, there's a, there's a mistake on your outline, so I want you to write this word in. We're missing a word, and that word is fear. Would you write that down? Do, I must not expect fear to go away when I'm asked to take a step of faith. Now, going back into our story, we see that these... So now we have this, this famine that's going on inside the city. Outside the city gates are four leprous men. That means that they, their skin is rotting off of them. They're not allowed into the city, and they got a choice to make. Look what it says here. It says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, If we stay here until we die, if we stay here until we die, if we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. Notice that. All of their options seem to be out. If we stay here, we die. If we go back in the city, we die. They don't have any options. And some of you right now feel that way in your life in some area. That there's no more moves. And I want to tell you something today. Is that with God, you, cannot, you, with God, you can expect Him to do something. But that doesn't mean that fear goes away. Is that every great move that we made, I would love to tell you that it was easy. Every one of those moves, it wasn't. People sacrificed that we could be here. There was people that, that committed financially. There's people that committed with their lives to go with us, to be here. And so there's great commitments. There's always been fear that's been a part of that. This is what I want you to know today. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this. You see, if you didn't have fear in your life, you'd need no faith in your life. Did you hear that? So the fact that you have fear is the fact that you need faith. So where there is no fear, you don't need faith. That's why you need faith, because you have fear. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to learn to let your faith outweigh your fear. Just a 1%, and then you can take that next step. Too many people in this world, you see, life is spelled L-I-F-E. But too many people in this world, they just live by the if, don't they? You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And so, especially on days like today when we're talking about our, our commitments, making a commitment to, to expand God's kingdom by expanding this church and expanding the vision and your commitment cards are you know, in your seat. That's what it's all about. And too many people look at that stuff and say, well, I would like to do this, but what if this happens? What if, what if, you know, what if I lose my job? What if I can't pay my bills? What if this? What if this? And that's doubt. But I want to tell you, people of God, believe this, that God will, God will do what you cannot do. And so when you change the what if to God will, then you have a life, capital letters, L-I-F-E, you have a life. And that's what I want you to learn to have as the people of God. I want you to have a life with Almighty God. Okay, let's look at the next verse here because this tells us what they decided to do. 
Remember, they said, okay, if we, we're, if we go back in the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. And then look what they said in 2 Kings 7 and 4. So let us go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we what? We live. And if they kill us, then we what? And how about those options? If we go back into the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. So the best option that we can come up with is that we go forward and we go into the enemy's camp and we just, we're probably going to die, but that's the best option, right? That's not too good of an option. And I want to tell you as a church, that's where we are, the crossover of the church. It happened for us in 1997. It happens in 2000. It happened in 2003. Is that every time the world, everybody said, you're going to die. And you know, the only way that we would have died if we would have stopped right there. But we've always, as the church, walked right into what everybody else said we could not do, walked into the enemy's camp, and every time we did, God showed up. And so right now, you know, so at, at this juncture in our church's history, that's what we're doing now. We're taking another step of faith, and you get to be a part of it. And so, here's the deal. If we stay here as a church, we're going to die. You know what? If we stay here, we say, okay, we're not going to grow anymore. We're going to stay right here. That We're not going to do anything to advance God's kingdom. We're going to die. You know what happens? We'll all turn gray and we will die. The young people will leave. If we go back and do it the old way, the way we used to do it, you know, the used to days, if we go back, guess what? We're going to die. The only option, I'm telling you as your pastor, the only option for 21 years, the, the only way I've ever seen God move is that we take a step of faith and we go into the unknown and we say, God, you go with us. We believe you and we're going to trust you. And many people say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm afraid if our church grows, then, you know, it's going to change. Well, let me just tell you this. You know what? Back in 1995, you know, those people felt the same way. That 75 people felt the same way. That our church will change if it grows. But you know what? Back then we were offering an opportunity for a better life. And we were moved in, in 1997 to that new place. Guess what? We still offered an opportunity for a better life through Christ. And in 2003, since we've been here, we've been offering an opportunity for a better life. So I can tell you, the only thing that's going to change is that your friends are going to come to know Jesus. Your children are going to come to know Jesus. Your parents are going to come to know Jesus. Your friends are going to come to know Jesus. And their life's going to get better. Our community will get better. Our schools will get better. Our state will get better. Our country will get better. Because God makes it better. Amen? You see, laws don't change people. You know, you can write every law that you want and tell people how to live. That doesn't change a person. But when God gets down in a person's soul, on the inside of them, when they, they begin to feel what God says is right, and they begin to act on what God says, then that's when people change. That's why they need the church. If the church doesn't grow, the country goes to hell. Thank you for those three or four of you that agree with that. Hallelujah. Amen? If you don't understand it, why should a church grow? Because if the church doesn't, if the, if the good people don't, don't grow, then the bad people take over. If the, listen, if the church doesn't grow, guess what? The, the, the evil, the, the meanness in the world just gets worse. And so that's why we have to respond to the call of Jesus Christ and continue on to do our very best to reach out to the people and let them know you don't have to be that way. There's a God who's alive. Jesus Christ can change your life and change you and save you and redeem your life. Amen? I know I'm preaching better than you. Amen. And I know it. Look, my head's already sweating. Look at that. Head sweating. That usually only happens when I have a spicy meal, by the way, so this must be a spicy message. 
Go to number three. Look at me. Look at it with me. How to be willing to go in faith. Number one, I'm, or number three, I must expect God to show up as I go in faith. Now, would you write this down? Not before. God does not move before you act. He waits on you to act first. Going back to our story, remember these leprous guys? They're going to the enemy's camp. Look what happened. At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. Would you read out loud with me what's underlined? Come on, let's read it out loud. Here we go. For the Lord had caused. Come on, one more time. For the Lord had caused. One more time, louder. For the Lord had caused. For the Lord had called the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites, the Egyptian kings, to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp and it was, uh, they left the camp and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned to the, and entered another tent and took some of the things from it and hid them also. What I want to say to you is this, is that when they were out of options, the best gamble that you can always take, and you learn from this, and this has helped me, is that when you're out of option, God is always the best gamble to take. Did you hear that? When you don't know what else to do, and you have no other idea, God is always the best gamble to take. And they walked, and God caused the noise. Before they, those four men, before they got into the enemy's camp, God made it start thundering. The ground start rumbling and thundering. And it, He made those guys, that, that thousands of troops run for their lives by four men that were diseased and plagued because God causes a noise. And I want to tell you, you need God to show up for you. Amen? You need God to show up for you. You know, as we talk about this commitment today that we're going to make, Ron and I made our first, uh, one, of the, one of our first ones was getting ready to build this building. By the way, I just want you to know that somebody else paid for that seat that you're in. Somebody else gave a long time ago that you could be in that seat. That your children could be upstairs right now. That that nursery could be there. Somebody did it. And Rhonda and I were part of those people. Back in when we were getting ready to pledge for this building, Rhonda and I had, you know, I've been praying about, God, what do you want us to do? Now back then we didn't have financial peace like we have now. You know, like the class that we teach here. And so we were broke people. Right now we've learned better. Hopefully you've been through financial peace and you've learned better. If not, go through it so you learn how not to be broke. And uh, so we were broke. And I said I was praying. I said, God, what would you have us to give? I was expecting God to say, you know, five hundred dollars would be good. You know, I thought that would stretch us because we're broke, right? When you're broke, that's a lot of money. But what I felt like the Lord was saying inside of me was, I want you to give ten thousand dollars. And I I prayed that and I felt that way. And I went to Chuck and found somebody. I was like I was like. God, are you talking to me? I think you got the wrong address. And I started telling people that had $10,000, not me. So I always do this, you know, I always think, okay, sometimes it may just be me, so I'll go talk to Rhonda. You know, she'll straighten me out. So I went and talked to Rhonda. I said, Rhonda, I said, listen, I've been praying about this. I know you have. And I feel like that God wants us to give $10,000. I know that's a little crazy. She said, me too. I said, what the heck are you talking about? She was my sure out, you know. She was supposed to say, no, Jeff, that's not God's will. You're crazy. Well, I said, okay, well, I don't know how. So then I get up before our church and say, listen, I don't know how we're going to do this, but God has spoken to Rhonda and I and wants us to give $10,000. I don't know how we're going to do it. 
But I'm saying it to you because I feel like I got to let you know I got to step out in faith. So, you know, I'm like, oh, and after I made that statement, I'm like, what am I doing? Everything I'm talking to you about today, I'm going, oh, God, how did I do that? I can't do that. I don't have the money. And I start, I start selling everything I can. You don't think, okay, I'm selling guns and everything and come up with about $600. <laughs> Our house had been on the market for six months. The economy was popping. The Henry County real estate was going like crazy in 2003. But my house would not sell for nothing. Like I had a plague on there or something. But this is what I want to tell you. The day that I stood up and said, we're going to do this, we made the commitment. That Sunday, next Monday, we had a contract on our house for a full price. And Rhonda and I were able, in 30 days, we closed, and we were able to write a $10,000 check out and gave to, to the ministry of this church and to the fathering so that you could have a seat and you could have a seat and your kids could have a seat and that your story could be told. And God showed up is what I'm saying. Amen? Amen. Look at what our memory verse is. Luke 6 and 38, it says this. Give and it will be given to you. Let's read it together. You ready? Come on. Give and it will be given to you. One more time. You ready? Give and it will be given to you. Not before. You don't get, then you give. You give, then you get. According to God's economy. Let's go to number four. You ready? God blesses your life when you take action to care for others. And notice these four leprous men went into this city they got all this food. They're eating good now, man. It's great. It's party time, you know. And they're going to keep it to themselves. Look what happened. Then the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold, went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some of the things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, would you circle this? We are not doing right. We're not doing right. This is the day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. You see, what they understood was that when we help others, we are helped. You're not blessed until you help others. And today we're going to be talking about this commitment. We're going to give you an opportunity, a few moments, to make this. We've been, and again, if you're new, we've been talking about this for months at our church. But today, when you make that commitment, you're going to be helping others. I want you to watch this video of this young lady who's made this commitment to reach back and help someone else. Watch this story. So I like to eat a lot of food. So I'm going to give up like going out for fast foods before practices and coming home from like doctor's visits and stuff and I'm going to use that money and give it towards the I will. Once I leave I'm going to be able to see what like the effect that it has on them and it's going to be able to accommodate way more teenagers than we can now and give a whole new experience and make it more awesome than it already is and I just can't wait to see how it affects everybody else. Well I think it's pretty cool that like teenagers are helping like like kids place like kids place for people that are different than them, even though that they won't see it, but other kids will. It's pretty cool. It's like old thing. Cole, I can't wait to see what 155 looks like when you get up there. Oh, you're so sweet. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's the attitude of our church. And so today when we ask you to make a commitment, a pledge. To help us expand our facilities. 
Listen, I, I love all of you. I'm so glad that you guys are here. But there's a lot of people that come to 9 o'clock service this morning because they couldn't. They knew if they all showed up here, they wouldn't be able to get in. There'll be people that come to 12. So we want to expand our facility and so that we can have a greater reach. Why? Because we will. We said at the church, we will do whatever it takes to reach out to hurting people. We will do whatever it takes to partner with, with parents, to helping them, you know, with, with them raising your children, creating an environment that will, will help partner with them. We also want to partner with our schools. We're going to partner with our teachers and our principals to make sure that our schools are the best that they can be. Listen, we're not abandoning our kids. This is all about us saying, we will not forget our kids. You know, if it was just us, we'd be okay. But we will with our kids. We will, we will be a force in the community that says, we're going, to, we're going to support our teachers, we're going to support our principals, and we're going to be involved in our schools and our community. We're going to make it better. We're the church that's going to make it better. Our community is going to, listen, our community needs us. So we're going to be here for them. That's why, you know, the day that we say that our church is full and that we can't do anything else is the day that we need to go out there on our sign and put our church is full. Everybody else can go to hell. Because that's exactly what we're saying. Listen, in 1995, that small church over there, we had to make a decision just like this, that we would give so that people could live. In 1997, we had to make a decision. We will give that people can live. And many of those people that gave are dead and gone to heaven right now. But they made a way for you, and they made a way for your children. I'm telling you, it's time for us to step up and be the church and say, today is my day that I get to write somebody's history. I get to write their future down. As I give this money going to be in heaven. We will. Today, look at that last verse. Matthew 25 and 40 says, whenever you did whatever you did for any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, would you read this last part with me? You ready? You did it for me. That's why we're expanding our church. So that our ministry, the vision of God can continue on. And we're just getting started, by the way. You see, you get to get in on the, one of the most exciting times because you get to help rewrite history. Remember, history is His story. And you get to be a part of that. And I'm so excited. So today what I want you to do is you have those cards that are in your seat. I'm going to, just in a few moments, I'm going to challenge you to bring those forward. But I want you to look over those. I want you to hold it in your hand because there's something I want to say to you and I want to say the same things all three service so I have it recorded. After you hear this recording, after you watch this video, I'm going to give you two minutes to look over that card. Maybe you want to have a discussion with your spouse about what you should do. Or maybe you want to have a prayerful moment. Maybe you want to increase your gift or whatever. Just go ahead and look at that card and I want to give you two minutes to make that decision and after that we're going to bring them forward. I'll give you instructions. Just after, after this video, you just take your two minutes to ponder. All right, watch this. It's been my honor over the last 20 years to be your pastor. I've had the privilege of watching many of you bring your children into the world. I've also had the privilege that when it was time for someone to leave this world, to be standing by your side and sharing that story. At this juncture in our life, it's time for us again to say, I will. That's what I've had to do. I made a decision that, that I want to walk this journey with you. 
You know, I'm looking into our future, and nothing excites me more than being the pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. And we don't know what God has on the horizon, but we know it's great. And as I want to, I want to walk this journey with you and your family. You see, our mission here is simply connect, grow, serve, and share. We're connecting with God and His family. We're growing in God's character. We're serving in God's church, and we're sharing God's message. And as we continue to do that, it's our responsibility as Christ followers to make sure that more people can connect with God's family, that more people grow in God's character, and that more people serve God's family, and that more people are sharing God's message. So my question to you is, will you say, I will? I hope you enjoyed the message today. I would like to stop right here and offer an opportunity for you to say a special prayer. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And it simply says this, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. If you prayed that prayer today, would you email me? My email address is jeffdawes1 at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S, the number one, at S-C-C-V-I-E-W dot net. Again, thank you for joining us today. And by the way, if you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church that others may hear the good news of Jesus, I would challenge you to go to our website at www.sccview.net and click the Give link the top of the web browser and there's many ways that you can give there again thank you so much for joining us today it is our pleasure to come to where you are and share the gospel god bless you